0: Access is the Young Adults Ministry of Resurrection Life Church. We hope you enjoy this week's guest speaker. How many of you guys are like, what the heck is going on right now? <laughs> See, in, in our culture, we've become so uncomfortable with silence. It was maybe five seconds before we got some nervous laughter and, uh, "How about that weather?" I'm not calling you out it was, I am calling you out. No, <laughs> but it, it, it's a truth. I was I was at the grocery store the other day and. I was just thinking about this and I I forced myself while I was in line to not pull out my phone. And I looked at all the other lanes and everyone else that's in line and everyone is just plastered to this thing. We are so uncomfortable with silence. We are so uncomfortable with that, that just brief pause of vulnerability that we have to fill it with every little thing that we can. I get the privilege of being able to sit down and minister with, with a lot of people and, and there's two things that I see on a, <clears throat> on a regular basis. The first is we come into a, a place of ministry and this is like, man, I've sat down with people who have been in, in like deep, deep situations. And going into it, 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 sometimes it's even obvious like we need to address this thing But then the entire conversation is them like running a million miles a second and talking and talking and talking. And majority of it has nothing to do with the actual thing that they came to talk about. The majority of it is is just these rabbit trails because the truth is that sometimes we get scared of that that place of silence because we know the difficult questions will get asked. Sometimes we just, we want to deflect and, and and run in all sorts of different directions so that way we just don't have to address the elephant in the room, right? And then there's other times where I'll sit down with people and I, my, my ministry style is, is maybe a little bit different than it's, I just, I love to, the best I can, just walk people into the presence of the Lord. Because when he says something to them, God can, understand this, I could say a million words to you, and God could say one word that would change your life. My million words might not do anything for you. And without the power of God behind it, my million words will never do anything for you. So... I love just ushering people into the presence of God. If you guys were here the last week, you know that this is what I love to talk about. This is what we're going to be talking about again this week, kind of hit it from another angle. And I love just bringing people in and sometimes people need a little bit of guidance on like what do I pray right now? How do I approach God? Um, Some people have never even considered the idea of prayer, never even considered the idea of like communing with God and talking with God. Uh, so at times, I'll, I'll give out, like, hey, maybe try asking them this. Just pray over them and see what God leads me to have them ask. And a lot of the times, then this is, this is, no, like, this is no shame on anyone. I just think that this is kind of what our culture and what the world has implanted into us. But a lot of the times, they'll, they'll sit and they'll, they'll pray and ask God a question of, hey, what do you want to say about this? And then they'll sit. And about 10 seconds later, 15 seconds later, they'll look up and go, I'm not hearing anything. And I go, it was only 10 seconds. I look through scripture and I, I see times to where, man, people were waiting out for weeks, waiting on the Lord. There's a biblical truth of be still and know that I am God. Wait on the Lord. Say law. if you guys read through, through psalms, you'll, you'll come across this, this word selah, and it's always like, what is that? It's that pause and reflect. And we're so quick to move on to the next thing. I, I, this has been a big thing that, that God's been bringing up to me recently because I realized that I'll start into like either a, a sermon on YouTube or I'll start just reading even a short article and by the time I'm three paragraphs in, I jump over to another tab on my computer and I'm into another article. And then two articles later, I'll jump back to the original article. And I'm just, like, I caught myself doing this last week. And I was like, why am I doing this? That's silly. I can't even sit down and read through a single article from start to finish. And last week, we talked about drawing near to God and he will draw near to us. This week I want to talk about the same thing except for that silence, that waiting on the Lord, that being still and just knowing he is God. Because I think we, we sometimes lose track of this. Last week, I talked very much, and I, I'm a firm believer of our entire lifestyle is supposed to be a lifestyle of communion with God. We're supposed to be walking through mire. We're supposed to be walking through here. We're supposed to be walking through school or work or, or whatever it might be, like focused on him going, what do you want to do through me today? But at the same time, that doesn't neglect the time in our prayer closet. That doesn't neglect the time, you know, in the morning, sitting down and and just Waiting on the Lord and being okay with not directing the conversation. I know multiple times in the past, I mean, this is actually a new concept for me. I probably, I I feel like maybe a year ago, this was kind of opened up in me. And then it like ebbs and flows. This is not something that I'm brilliant on and I, I do all the time. Um, but I definitely have these these heightened periods. And if I think back about all the times that God met me at a place and God did a work in my heart, it was when I was actually being still and knowing that he was and just allowing him to come in and say his words instead of me coming in and saying all my words. I'm, I'm gonna do... I. I wrestled with just kind of how this message was going to come out. And um, last week, I, I just I knew that I was supposed to speak on John 15. And then getting closer and closer and closer, like, I also knew that I was supposed to be speaking about, like, this being still and just our silence and, and just coming before Him and complete vulnerability and that, that silence of vulnerability. Uh, and I, I didn't see where the two of them kind of kind of meshed up. And, and then over last night, and it was actually really like, this, if this doesn't scare you, I didn't really know what I was going to speak on until like this morning when I woke up. And immediately when I woke up, the two of them combined and it, and it made sense. And I think... And I can almost guarantee it's because I was trying to work it out so much that I wasn't being still myself, and it took me having to sleep and not say a word for it to actually come, and, and it makes sense. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read the, the scripture that, that God laid on my heart, and then I'm just going to kind of uh, share some revelation that, that God was, was doing in me. Is that okay with you guys? So John 15, this is talking about the, the vine and the branches. You've probably heard this, and, and I, I have a feeling I might kind of come at it from a different direction. So Jesus is saying, "I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener." He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean. Other, scri- or other translations say you have already been pruned because of the words that I have just spoken to you. Remain in me also as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you could do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into a fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love, and if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love just as i have kept my father's commandments and remain in his love i have told you this that you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete my command is this love each other as i have loved you greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends you are my friends you do what i command In fact, like I, I caught myself trying to go, oh man, I could talk about this, I could talk about this. I, I, I highly suggest that you guys go and just kind of meditate on this. Read through it a couple times, read through it through a couple different translations and, and just see what God speaks to you through it. But one of the things that, that God was doing in me, the more I pondered on this, the more I meditated on this, was really talking about prayer life in this. So my wife Emily and I, we love traveling. And anytime we, we travel, we try, and, we try and make like whatever pit stop we can to go visit vineyards. I absolutely love vineyards. I love touring vineyards. I love the whole science behind them growing the grapes, them making the wine, all these different things. Uh, plus up in Traverse City, they, we have some of the most beautiful landscape vineyards on the face of the planet. And it's just cool to walk around there and just see these biblical truths happening right in front of us, like it, it, it make like it's no wonder God speaks through wine and grapes and the vine and the branches so much in Scripture because like there's so much Jesus in them. So I'm gonna, I already nerded out on you guys with the the coffee. You guys okay if I nerd out with uh, with some of the the branch and the vine stuff? So when. We went out to the Finger Lakes in New York, and the Finger Lakes is, you might remember it from the Office episode where Jim Carrey, people don't, yeah, people disappear in the Finger Lakes or something like that. My family's in the Finger Lakes, I got to go back. Okay. You don't remember that. That's okay. <laughs> that one bombed. But anyway, so we're out there, and, and these, these lakes are just amazing So what happened years and years and years ago, this is upstate New York, a little bit uh, east of, I believe, Buffalo. Um, And what happened was these giant glaciers had come through. And over time, they just carved out just the area and the, the terrain up there. And so now there's like, man, it's so cool. We went to this place called Fox Run. And, and we got an entire like tour. They walked us around. They told us about the soil. They told us about all the different. Man, it, like they're one of the oldest vineyards up in the Finger Lakes area. They have the oldest Chardonnay grapes growing in their vineyard, and uh, and they're just it's amazing. So they they you stand at the base of the, the, the hill, and this is where they're like a storefront and their tasting rooms and all these different things, and they they look up and they go. Yeah, see the see the vines up top there. They're in this soil, and uh, and then the ones down we had to plant those ones there because they don't actually like the soil that the last ones were in. They they prefer this soil because their roots will go deeper. And then and it, and it's all these different areas to where over time these glaciers just broke down and now there's these lakes in the shape of fingers out there. It's just amazing. It's so cool to hear how like. Because it's another another place in scripture where it talks about seed being planted in fertile soil, in in different soils, doing different things for seeds. And you get to see it firsthand, and you get to go, wait, so you're telling me, like, if you were to plant this vine two feet this way, it wouldn't grow properly? They're like, yeah, that's absolutely what we're telling you. Some vines like rocky, like -like, clay-like ground, because they love to like really plant their roots deep and it really forces them to, to like kind of strive their roots down a little bit further and gives you much more of a, a full berry. The other one's like lighter ground where the roots still go down, but it's, it's not much of that work and now they're, uh, it's a lighter kind of airier berry. It's just cool. I find that so interesting. I hated science in high school, but now like when you, you bring me out there, I'm like, this is sweet. They didn't teach me like this. And so what happens is with this whole thing, I'm going to go back and and just read the the first part because I want to address this and what God was showing me through this. Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So if you take a a young vine, there's young vine and there's old vines. The reason why, like, the wines from Italy are so expensive is because they're these old vines, thousands of years old. The roots are so, so deep. And it produces a, a grape that you can't get anywhere else off of young vines. But if you take a young vine, what happens is it, it starts sprouting these branches, right? It goes up the, the traverse and starts sprouting these branches and then it will bear this fruit. And the initial fruit that it bears is kind of spotty. If you look at it, there's some ripe, there's some that just didn't develop properly, and it's definitely fruit, but it's not fruit that you'd use for anything, really. Some of it's bitter, some of it's sweet, it's just kind of all over the board. So what they do is there's a a vine dresser, and he comes up and he has his shears, and he does a pruning process. So what he'll do is he'll come up and he'll cut that fruit off. And then what happens is now that it's cut, so like it's cut beyond the fruit, now all that vine's energy goes into that one little branch to produce more fruit, but because it's forcing all of its energy through there, the fruit that comes out is that much more desirable. It's that much more even. And they kind of go through this process to where, oh man, now the, the grapes are starting to look a little bit more plump, starting to have a little bit more color. This one's starting to really turn out well. But what also happens is, if, if they just leave it and they don't do this pruning process and they don't cut these grapes off, and, and that, that branch will continue to grow out and it'll start sprouting leaves. And those leaves will start to shade the actual fruit from the light and it starts to stunt the process. And then it'll continue to grow until now you have like a stick and your branch will actually die because the pruning process didn't happen. It had fruit, but it got to a point where it died because it didn't get pruned. You guys tracking with me so far? Yep. I, did, I'm, I'm, I know, I'm geeking out on you. Some of you guys are like, I don't really care about any of this. But uh, it's just so crazy because Jesus talks about this. I am the true vine, my Father is the gardener. God's that, that vine dresser that comes out and does, does the pruning. See, what happens when, when it becomes that stick and it starts to die, it could actually destroy the rest of the vine. It, it could actually destroy the rest of the berries. It starts to try and pull nutrients from the areas that are being fruitful and are actually thriving, and it starts to resource it over to something that's already dying. So what the vine dresser will do is he'll come over and he'll cut that piece off. Don't need that on there. It's gonna kill things. But he also, see, and this is where I think as Christians we think, oh yeah, of course, the dead branches would get cut off. But both branches get cut. (laughs) The branch that's bearing fruit also gets cut. But it's a good cut. It's a pruning, it's a shaping and shifting and molding and allowing it to actually bear more fruit. For one, it can't bear another patch of fruit if the patch of fruit was already right there. That fruit goes on to do its work. So he cuts it off and starts bearing even better fruit. And there's like a maturity process here. And that's like I said, that's how you get to that, that old vine status to where these grapes are so sought after, they're so valuable because they're so mature. They've been pruned thousands and thousands of times. And they've produced so much fruit, so much better fruit as it goes on and on and on. So what God was showing me through this, and and this is where it kind of like took a turn that I I didn't expect it to, but in my prayer time, God was just showing me this this silence that we were just talking about, that vulnerability that we were just talking about. How many of you guys have have had things come up to where, so some sort of hurt, wound, some sort of struggle that you've struggled with in the past, and you thought that you had it all taken care of, and then all of a sudden it kind of resurfaces. All of a sudden you go, "Oh, didn't know that was in there. That's still in there. I thought we dealt with that a long time ago." Sometimes it happens again and again and again to where it's like, "Boom! God healed me of that. I have no more unforgiveness in me." And then you walk in, you walk in, and then all of a sudden something comes up, and you're like. I still have unforgiveness in me. What if instead of pushing that thing down and going, no, 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 don't come near me. Don't come near me, unforgiveness. I've already handled you. I've already done that. Or even just trying to brush it off of, oh yeah, I forgive. Boom, move on. Or, oh, I don't have that hurt anymore. We already got healed from that. Don't even bring that up. Don't even bring that up. What if it was actually a... a, process of vulnerability to where God wanted to prune you, to where this thing got brought up. And instead of shutting it down, you actually embraced it and said, God, what do you want to do in me through this? Does that make sense? I think we confuse sin We confuse the acts of lust and murder and stealing, whatever sin you want to label. We confuse that as the issue. But they call it a root issue because it goes further than the fruit. Sin is a fruit of an issue that goes down even further. Someone might fall into lust because of a a place that they were hurt or something that they came to believe that was wrong and improper at a younger age. Someone might steal because they have a, a misinterpretation of how the system works and how you're supposed to go about doing things. Does this make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So oftentimes, instead of trying to manage the sin, God wants to get in and just prune. Cut it off so you could start bearing fruit. And there could be a process with that. Those times where it kind of re-comes up, maybe it was because the fruit that was starting to bear was still pretty immature. And God wants to do it again. And again. To the point to where now you're bearing good fruit that's valuable, that people cherish, that God cherishes. You guys good with this? Couple weeks, or probably about a month and a half ago, uh, Emily and I applied for uh, artist residency. It's so there's a, a family that, that lives in Michigan. They have a a residence out in Maine, and what they did at this residence out in Maine, it's pretty cool. They they turned part of their their house out there into like a twenty four seven art studio. If you don't know, Emily and I both do art. Emily is a fantastic artist. Follow her on Instagram, Emily Rosemail. Come on, do it right now. Do it. I'm just kidding. But seriously. Um, so they, they turn part of their, their home into this art studio, and then they have these different cabins that they put up on the, the residency there as well. And a couple times a year, they, they bring artists out there to stay at these cabins and just create for two weeks straight. It's amazing. It's awesome. It's really cool. So Emily originally like, approached me with the idea of like, oh yeah, this is something that I've really been wanting to do for a while. I was like, this sounds amazing. I was like, do they allow husbands to go? I mean, I'm an artist. <laughs> so she sends out an email and they get back to us and they're like, absolutely, we would definitely consider your husband. Um, Emily got a full ride scholarship from her, her college to be able to cover her trip out there. They would have been covering part of, of mine and... Um, So we we got everything together, we submit it. We've been waiting the last few weeks for like the confirmation, okay, are we in, are we in? And then on Tuesday of this week, Emily got an email in from the college saying, hey, your scholarship was approved, which is awesome, praise Jesus. Uh, And that's all the email said, which tells her that she got into the, the program, but it doesn't tell her anything about me. I'd like to go. So she shoots an email over to this lady. Hey, I've seen that I got in. Thank you so much. This is amazing. Any word on my husband? Their email back was: Nick will be getting a letter in the mail to inform him whether he did or did not. Yeah. To me, <laughs> that sounded a lot like, "Okay, we're trying to let you down easy." Um, we heard later that. This lady definitely likes to go by the book, so there's still a possibility that I'd be going out there, which is cool. So I'll pray for that right now. That'll get old sooner or later, and then I'll still do it. Um, but what happened in that was, so that's two weeks. So in it, like in this point of going, wait, I, I might not be able to go to this. That means my wife and I are going to be away from each other for for two weeks. The longest we've spent away from each other since getting married was one night It's where she went up to a ladies cabin thing with, uh, with Lindsay and, and a couple of the other ladies around here. And that's the longest we've been apart. And that was treacherous, like tossing and turning. I'm just kidding, I got the whole bed to myself. <laughs> but I missed you, baby. If you're married, you could say amen. We don't have a king-size bed, so <laughs> all the space that we could get. Um, I always end up giving you guys way too much information, <laughs> just being vulnerable. So what happened was, it, I kind of covered a little bit of it last week. I have bad relationships in the past, and I won't go into it, but just some some hurts and wounds started to, to come up to where some fear... and. Anxiety started to creep in of two weeks away. There's a lot of bad things that could happen in two weeks. And there is absolutely, absolutely no reason why I would ever have to not trust my wife. She's a complete angel. She is a woman of the Lord. Amazing. Round of applause. But no, she... Literally, she is my dream wife. She is amazing. We are so in love, passionately in love. There's absolutely no, no, no reason why I should be scared or worried or any of that, but at the same time, it crept up. So Wednesday, I sit down with, used to pastor here on staff, Matt Schmucker. If you're watching, love you, man. like a spiritual father to me and we we were sitting down for breakfast on Wednesday morning and just kind of walking through some of the stuff that God was revealing to me about this and all of a sudden it hit me like oh wait this is one of those pruning moments that things started to re-earth in me and instead of which at first, like on Tuesday, I didn't tell Emily that I was going through any of this kind of worry or doubt or any, not doubt, I guess, but worry and, and fear. I didn't tell her. I told her last night when we were on our date night, just kind of opened up and um, she was super supportive, and just reassuring, I had nothing to worry about. And I know that. I absolutely know that. But at the same time, there was something in me that, that just popped up and crept up. And that Tuesday afternoon, I took a nap. I love naps. Amen for naps. I believe that the Lord really, really, really loves siestas. That's right. And in that nap, I had a nightmare. Woke up, my heart was just racing. Walk out, Emily's working on on some, forget, oh, she's working on some stuff for our our business that we have. Didn't tell her, went to bed that night. Another nightmare, woke up the next morning just, frazzled. And then that's the morning that I had this, this breakfast with Matt. And it was, it was the rest of the day of just like most of yesterday I didn't even like wasn't necessarily studying for this. I was actually just living it out. Spending time in God's presence going like what do you want to say about this? I thought that I was beyond this but obviously something needs to happen. And even if I do end up getting accepted for this, this two-week thing, how many of you guys know that that thing's still there and God still wants to touch it? So if I, like, I just like to be vulnerable in front of you guys and just go, man, that stuff creep up all the time. And instead of just pushing it down like I did on Tuesday and it just tormented me, And sometimes we think that we could do that and we could push it down and we can get past the tormenting part to where all of a sudden we forget about it again and we bury it up and we kick sand over it. and we. God wants to prune that. He'd rather us being fruitful in that area of our life than in bondage to fear, shame, guilt, condemnation. We try and self-control so much But Jesus says right here, you can't bear any fruit. And self-control, remember, is a fruit of the Spirit. It's such a a confusing fruit of the Spirit because it sounds so much like it's something that we do. It's not anything that we do. It's something that we get when we abide in Jesus, and he is the vine that we're planted in. So I just want to encourage you guys. Silence can be a good thing. In fact, silence is a fantastic thing. I mean, let me share something else with you guys. Yeah, I'm going to go here. <laughs> this, is, this is just like humbling of, to me. But how many of you guys, when, when you're just pissed off, you just got done saying some rude, rude things to someone, you just hurt someone, and you go off, how many of you guys know God doesn't typically speak to us in those places when we're here. Right. I'm going to post this on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, that'll teach them. <laughs> but in those times to where like I'm just frustrated and I go, "You know what? I need to just go walk, be with God." That's when he shows me, "Wait, you thought they were wrong. I just I, like <laughs> let me show you where you were wrong." <laughs> and all of a sudden It's like pruning an entire shrub. I'm like, oh, man. And then you get to that place where you're like, I'm I'm sorry. God did a work in me. He's doing a work in me. You guys been there? You guys been there where you just throw that fit, and then you're just walking away, and all of a sudden it's like, go pick up that fit. Dang it. Happens to me more times than, like, I even, like, care to admit. You want to see that again? Follow me, camera guy. (laughs) The beautiful thing, and I just want to end right where I ended last week. beautiful thing is that abiding in Jesus, that being plugged into Him as source. That's all He's talking about. He's saying, Man, you think your source is all, all other places, but unless you actually truly, truly, truly plug into Me, He says, I am the vine. Unless you plug into Me, there is no source that's going to feed you. There is no, you could go around and try and pick up other people's fruit but it's going to sit in your hand just dying and rotting. Jesus wants to produce fruit in us so that way we can glorify the Father like he says. He says it's God's glory. It's his glory that we would be fruitful. I just want to glorify God. And it's so simple. I I love Alan Smith's book. He, He has a book called Unveiled. And in the book he talks about talks about how he took some of his students out into a vineyard and he just walks out there and they're in the middle of the vineyard there's nothing really around and he goes listen what do you hear they're sitting there I don't, I don't hear anything he goes exactly the branches aren't trying to work their way and produce their way into bearing fruit they're just plugged into the source and it's coming out of them That's a good word. We try and make the gospel so complicated, but it's so simple. We stay plugged into him, listen to his voice, and all of a sudden, heaven comes through us. And we have heaven on earth. Just had to plug the the shirt. This is my shirt. If you want to buy one, $16.99. Come find me afterwards. I'm serious. It's simple, but it's not easy. It takes some pruning. Jesus says that we were pruned by the words that he spoke. That pruning process will come through here, definitely, spending time in silence in this and just letting scripture, scripture search us and know us and just start to prune, start to bring things up and go, ooh, my, my life doesn't align with that part. God, what do you want to say to me about that? It also comes in our time of prayer of just going, Jesus, what do you want to say to me right now? And then stop and listen. Don't have prayers that just you run on and run on and run on and have a grocery list of of all these things. God loves to to meet the demands and the, the needs of his people, but at the same time, he wants to do work in us. It says that when we abide in him and his word abides in us, we will ask of whatever we want and he will do. It's after he's already in us and abiding in us and we've been pruned and we've been knowing his words. and It's a process. It hurts, but it hurts so good. And when we do that, again, like I, like I said last week, all of a sudden we start to get more of Jesus inside of us. And we start to operate out of love because now we're producing that fruit. And it's nothing we really did except for drawing near to him and him drawing near to us, us abiding in him and him abiding in us. It's all a relationship. He goes on to say, I no longer call you guys servants. See, in the Christian walk, we go from servants of sin to Servants of righteousness to friendship with God. He says, if you're my friends, my love will be in you. That's a good word. And that's where I'm just going to end it off. Father God, we love you. God, we praise you i we just want to know your heart. And I pray that, that you would instill in us just this joy, just this deep desire to come into your presence without just a multitude of words to, to, to shout to you, even though that could be a good thing, but to come into your presence in just complete vulnerability, hearing your words, what you have to say, God. God, we just, we're open to the pruning process. Holy Spirit, have your way in our lives. Have your way in our hearts. I feel like even through this message, there's been things that may have been brought to the surface and Point it out to some people in here. God, and I just pray that they bring that stuff to you and just say, what do you want to do about this and in me? Where do I need to be pruned? What kind of hurts and wounds do you want to bring healing to, God? It's Father, it's our joy to get to come to you to know you, to be known by you. Father, we love you and praise you. And pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you'd like to join us live, we meet every Thursday night at 7 p.m. in the ground floor at Res Life in Grandville, Michigan. Or you can watch us online at reslife.org live. You can also keep in touch with The Access Ministry on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at AccessRLC.